Welcome to I've Always Wanted to Watch That, a spin-off podcast from the Average Joe's Movie Clubcast. I'm Justin. In this podcast, I get the pleasure of talking to fellow cinephiles to discuss their love of movies, along with reviewing a film at least one of us has always wanted to check out. In this episode, I welcome Ronan, who's a big-time animation fan, and um, he reached out to our podcast, and I can't wait to talk more movies with him. Uh, he recommended the 1995 um, Japanese anthology film, Memories. Um, some good conversation to be had there with those provocative films. Welcome to the show, Ronan. Could you tell us a little bit about yourself and um, how you came across The Average Joes? Uh, thank you for having me. I'm 22 years old. A big movie guy. It's pretty much my life, in a way. Uh, how I came across you guys was I found uh, you, Justin, through Letterboxd. Okay. thought you wrote the reviews pretty well. Like, I like the more professional review, written reviews, in a way. Okay, so, so yours, the hot take Nats. style. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Appreciate that. And found you guys. Decided to, uh, you know, try and get, uh, I guess, someone to talk about my list in a way, since, I guess, like, I'm not super big on Letterboxd, but... It is my most liked list. Uh, well, you'll see. You'll see when we get to it. Cool. So um, I got a few movie questions for you. You got a few movie questions for me. I guess we can just kind of back and forth, get to know each other a little bit. Um, I guess I can start, uh, break the ice. So what would you say is your favorite current animation studio? Mm. Do you want me to go Western or anime? It's totally wide because, open. Like, it's all right. I guess you can split it up uh, if, if uh, you know if that's the way you want to answer it. I mean, it's totally up, up to you. Uh, I think my favorite ever is still Ghibli sure. because their track record is just so good, and like even the ones that are considered a bit misses are still very very good in my opinion, mm -hmm. and the ones that are great like. Some of the all-time greats. As for Western, though, that's a bit more tricky, I would say. Maybe it's... I guess I think I could say Pixar, because, again, of the track record thing. But if I didn't pick a studio, then it would be like... Like, I have some very specific examples, I guess. It very much depends on... On the day, I guess. What's your top couple like, overall, um, Pixar and Ghibli films? Yeah. Hmm? What are your top favorites in both Ghibli and Pixar? Uh, favorite Ghibli movie. Mm -hmm. uh, like, I, I can't do it five, but we'll keep it short to one. Uh, my favorite Ghibli movie is Totoro. It's one of the only ones I saw in theaters. And... Okay. And it just has such a magic atmosphere to it. Mm -hmm. It's really just lovely. Favorite Pixar movie is actually Soul, which okay. isn't maybe everyone's favorite. Mm -hmm. Because new. Yeah, I think thema thematically, it's just so much more adult sure. than a lot of animated stuff. Mm -hmm. And it's very rich. Animation is great, obviously, but mm -hmm. it's probably their most adult work which is much appreciated. I can, I, I can see that for sure. Awesome. For me, 
Ratatouille has always been my go-to in Pixar. And with Ghibli, I've seen Spirited Away the most. And I've seen Spirited Away on the big screen, which was pretty cool. But man, there was something about Howl's Moving Castle that got me the first time. And I, I really need to check it out again. But um, yeah, I, was, I went through all the Ghibli movies right before going on Letterboxd back in 2017. So I need to re-watch re, re those and maybe come up with uh, kind of a ranking and all, all that the sort. So. Ratatouille is a child, childhood classic of mine. I think I watched it in theaters. And both Spirited Away and Howl's Moving, Ca Moving Castle I haven't watched in years. So maybe rewatch one day. But there is a Earwig and the Witch, which is the last Ghibli movie at the moment, which mm -hmm. mm, sadly is their worst movie, but oh, no. they tried. Um, <laughs> it's like their first attempt with computers. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it didn't end well, sadly. Did you have a movie? Uh, uh, did you have a question for me you wanted to hit back with next? Um, all right. Uh, your favorite decade in movies and which one was the one with the most quality or the most iconic stuff? Joey and I tackled Very this tough. question a little bit in the show, so I'll, maybe I'll revisit it a little bit here. Because um, it was funny, he brought up his uh, letterbox list of like, it kind of shows like what your like pattern is compared to the decade it come out came out. And um, we, we came up with the fact that uh, we had a lot of 50s and 60s in there. And it's just because, you know, we go back and watch like the all-time best movies from those decades. So, you know, you do end up with um, kind of a skewed things because you're not watching the crap. I mean, we watch modern crap, not so much <laughs> crap from the 50s. At least that's not what kind of what my bag is. Um, I would lean really into the 90s, I guess. Like kind of the, um, the more artsy side of the late 90s is really what... I think sparked my passion for film. Um, like the first time I saw uh, Fight Club as a middle schooler, like that twist at the end just totally like broadened my horizon. And then, I mean, The Matrix was there, but I was kind of in like, oh, The Matrix is overrated crowd at first. But you got being John Malkovich, American Beauty. I mean, so many cool artsy stuff going on in the late 90s that I really cling to. Uh, I think... Again, it's a really tricky question because, like, each decade brought its own iconic stuff. In a way, but, like, if I'm looking at, like, pure quality, like, how does the best ones of all, uh, the best ones from all decade still uh, age? I think it's either between the 60s and the 50s because, like, Stuff like 12, 12 Angry Men, Sunset Boulevard from the 50s, a lot of Hitchcock stuff, and stuff from the 60s, like Mary Poppins, Sound of Music, still all-time classics to this day. Mm -hmm. And of and course there the, are stuff. And then you get the, the counterculture of the 70s, which is a whole other you know, gritty kind of thing to dig into, which is fun. Godfather, Alien, Exorcists, a whole bunch of other stuff. Yeah, I think, like, the earlier decades definitely had their quality streak, as for the 2000, but, like, it's hard, because 2010s is the decade that I watched the most stuff, mm -hmm. and it had a lot of quality stuff, too, but, like, in terms of stuff that will, that will really be remembered, it's really more of the older stuff, I would say. But it's hard to judge, too, because, I mean, the older stuff is already being remembered, where 
we don't know what the uh, you know the cult effect of you know more modern pieces are. So more modern stuff. Mm-hmm. And it's crazy. I mean, yeah. time just flies. I'm I'm 37 now, so I I remember 20 years ago watching certain movies, and it feels like it was yesterday. So we'll see how it all kind of uh, pans out <laughs> as time rolls along. So how often do you get to watch movies, and what's your process for reviewing them? Uh, just in reply to what you said, it. Uh, a, it feels really weird that it's 2023. It, yeah. Part of it doesn't seem real, honestly. Mm. Uh, okay, favorite movie? Probably because of nostalgia. But it's uh, Harry Potter and the Deathly Hallows Part 2. Oh, okay. Because it's, like, it's the franchise that I grew up with. Like, everyone had their Star Wars and the stuff they grew up with. For me, it was Harry Potter. I was at the right age for it. It what it's what got me into fantasy. It felt like, and the idea of seeing the actors grow up before your face, which is such a rarity, it's like the closest thing to magic, pun intended. And Duffy Hollows Part Two. May say what you will about since it's a Part Two. It, kind of you kind of need part one to watch it together to have the whole story but part two i think also stands on its own and it works as a great finale because it literally gives the happy ending it gives the most satisfying uh things i actually listened to the book about two years ago uh yeah i I guess i was the movie before the book kind of guy and like I'm oh, same here. Then I rewatched. Then I rewatched it for like uh, my birthday about two years ago, both parts, and to see the differences in certain scenes. Maybe the book did some of it better, but as far as book loyalty, it's still very good. And as a movie, it's the best one in the franchise, in my opinion, at least. It it has the best epic feel of it of all of the movies, in my mm-hmm. opinion. Because it's the final one, so it has to be the biggest one. Yeah, I would agree. That, yeah, yeah, that uh, that last that last part there is very uh, satisfying with the how it's this big like siege on Hogwarts, and I would argue like definitely all is part one. Um, it's a it's a little com it's not that it's convoluted. It it's a little bit of a slog because I don't it throws so much story at you. It really wasn't until my third or fourth watch of it where a lot of like what was actually happening was starting to sink in rather than just kind of being slogged down by some of the the internal drama of it and are you so you're saying on deathly hollows part two is like one of your favorite films is okay at the moment it's uh, my favorite i was going to say about part one that since it is a different tone it is they're on the run it's a very different tone more slow paced more character based less less magic so it has a more somber tone Mm -hmm. obviously after half after the end of half blood prince where I won't spoil it for anyone who did it. Either watch it or read the book. Um, but if you if you did, you know what happened. Okay. Actually, um, I, it's cool that you answered that question. Actually, the question was, um, how often do you get a chance to watch movies, and um, how do you tend to review them? All right. Uh, I don't log rewatches on Letterboxd. I only do first time watches. Oh. As well, then you can't build as... your diary. I love my diary. Uh, no, I, I just don't 
watch a lot of stuff. I just don't rewatch a lot of stuff. Okay. Uh, as for how many, I think it depends. It's either like I'm too tired on a normal day, or but on a free day I actually get to. The maximum I would say is two to three per day on a free day, but there Ooh. have been some cases where it was nice. like for, like last year I was last year I was trying to get the number of stuff I watched to a nice round number to start to start the year. So I think on this on the last days of 2022, like December 30th, maybe I was really trying hard to get to the round number so i watched like seven in one day oh wow that's a lot <laughs> yeah but i did it i go by a strategy of shortest to longest to like fit the most in a day gotcha um which helps so you're from israel right correct and how is like um in terms of uh, the new releases, is it pretty timely whenever y'all get them, or? Um, to be, mm, I mean, we do get most of the new releases, but there are some cases of, for example, uh, foreign animated stuff gets uh, automatically dubbed here. Okay. For example, like automatically dubbed it to Hebrew, which. A tiny bummer because you don't get to the original language. But anyway, we do get most of the new releases. But like, for example, um, with streaming, we don't have that many services. We have Netflix, uh, Apple, and Amazon, and now Disney Plus. Which Disney Plus isn't working great here. To be fair, not oh. working great. Okay, but. Because some of those services like HBO Max and the Hulu uh, don't exist here, some of those either get theatrical releases or they probably just go straight to VOD. Okay. Like, I remember uh, the, the Hulu movie, Deep Water, with uh, Ben Affleck and Ana de Armas. That got a theatrical release here. But it's still a rarity. We, um, I do remember this one case of like the end of uh, 2020, when the when theaters started to open up again, and they would show all of the stuff that couldn't show before because the theaters were closed. But like, I watched it through the internet already, so no point for me to go to the theater to watch it. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like Soul, Wonder Woman, 1984, all bunch of other stuff. And, like, yeah, we do sometimes get delays, but we do, like, if it's a big movie, we either get it with with most of the world or either a bit later or earlier. Actually, with a recent example, Puss in Boots 2, uh, The Last Wish, I think we got it here about a week early compared to the rest of, compared to the U.S. Mm -hmm. A week or two earlier, yeah. Which is nice. Yeah, we uh, where I'm at, I'm not the biggest, I would say, like, 
cinephile community. I mean, we're kind of general, um, you know, just metropolis kind of area, Charleston, South Carolina. So we get, you know, the major blockbusters and stuff. But when it comes to like the limited release stuff that might be some like the Oscar darlings and stuff, usually it takes a little longer to get here. Um, I've been liking the fact that, um, yeah, since the pandemic, we do get a lot more streaming opportunities, which is very much more convenient for me since I got a I got three kids, so it's kind of hard to get to the theater with, uh, under those circumstances sometimes. But um, we make do, and you know, I still try to watch at least one movie a day. Uh, I wish it were more, but only so many hours, right? If only we had all the free time. Mm -hmm. A little only... wa magical uh, watches yeah, that we can freeze time. <laughs> that too. But like, yeah, we do get most of the major releases from awards uh, stuff too the major blockbusters and such. But I think one thing is that depending on the, on like how many uh, people go to one thing, it's like, uh, it can either just, it's like show up for one day and then find another theater to watch it. Because like no people are showing up for the movie. So it's like, or just really shove it to later showings. Like really like 10 p.m for example. Like, I think with the, the menu, for example, I got to watch it at a theater at, like, 5, 5 p.m., I think. And then, like, a couple days later, it was, it, I think because of Avatar, it got it got shoved to 10, to 10 p.m., which is, like, uh, that, that is, like, not a reasonable hour to go watch a movie in a theater. Okay. Especially that movie, too, which get to it if you didn't watch it it's yeah it's still on my list one of my favorites of oh cool one of my favorites of 2022 i praise um all right you have any uh other questions for me uh oh wait i didn't uh answer about the reviews thing didn't okay answer yet. yeah so what's your habit for then, um, reviews to be fair there are there are sometimes where i'm not reviewing as much as I want to because, like, it's either watching stuff or doing some other thing. But, and I don't want to try and review everything I see because when I started writing them, I thought, what can I say here? A, what can I say here that hasn't been said already? And B, like, if I make it into about everything I watched, some of it includes from years ago, and, like, I don't have a lot to say at the matter of the point. So when I try to review something, it's usually something that I really feel like I can say something. Okay, that's fair. As for the length, it honestly depends. Some of my early ones are, like, one paragraph, I think. And then depending on the, and some of them still are, but depending on the movie, some of them can be mildly okay length or just some of them just really long, which I don't know. I feel like it gets the best point across in a way. Yeah, you make the view, the, the reader read a lot, but you, it does get the point across. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, Diff all kinds of different styles. Um, I've gone short, I've gone long, um, but ultimately, yeah, and it's it it takes a lot of practice to, especially, and and I've gotten at points where I watch several kinds of movies in a row, and I'm just like, gosh, I'm so tired of writing about '90s kids sports movies at this point. But um, 
yeah, I just yeah, I'm kind of a writer by trade, so I like to get all my thoughts out there. And but yeah, it's it's neat to hear um, you know how others approach it. Movie that like is either an awards favorite or a critical darling that you just couldn't get into for for whatever reason. Okay. Okay. Um. Hmm. Pretty wide open there. Let's see here. What's what's a uh, what's something that maybe that won the Oscar that I was just not on board with? Um. Hmm. Let's see. Prick up a little list here of recent Oscar winners just to spark my memory. Yeah. So, by the way, we do have extended uh, time, or is it still the two-hour thing? Um, I have a, a hard cut off at one my time, but um, we'll, we'll play it by ear. Right. No, 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 it's okay. I'm I'm available for a couple more hours. It's okay. okay. So winners and nominees from 2022. Oh, it was Coda one. Um, that was kind of a kind of a strain like i appreciated what the movie was doing it was very much a representation kind of deal so i didn't mind coda let's see list of recent oscar winners do you have an answer while really, i'm really really you have cool. a answer in mind while i'm kind of scrounging around here uh actually really loved coda really okay. really liked it uh it's actually an american remake of a french movie and me and my mom watched the French one sometime later. Not a good movie. The French one, not good. Really, not a, like the American one is much better. Okay. Much better. I will. Uh, as for oh, sorry, sorry. Go. In my, well, the artist I struggled with a lot because. Like I get, I got at the time that oh, is this kind of this cool gimmicky like throwback to the silent era? But then you watch it and it's like you're not uh, you're not um, singing in the rain. Uh, this isn't working for me. <laughs> um, I just the gimmick just got too much of itself, and I, I just didn't like how it turned out. So artists would probably come to um, is definitely an answer for me there. Uh, the artist from 2011. Mm-hmm. I, I know actually liked it quite a bit. I know a lot of people are on board with the dog. Yeah. <laughs> hmm. Uh, I think... I think an answer for mine, and... Like, including nominees, okay? Like, I'm including nominees both with the winners. Honestly, because my ranking of Oscar stuff has them combined, so I honestly don't remember which one won in what year. Uh, a very hot take, I would say. Mad Max Fury Road. I agree. Yeah, it's a little overrated. It's like, good action. For sure. For sure. Well-made movie. Phenomenal special effects. I just don't effects. think there's a lot of story. Yeah, it's just yeah, a, it's just a very a... there and back again kind of story. And you're like, oh, that's it? <laughs> It's like a very long car chase, the movie. Yeah. Uh, there's another one which... Actually, there's two. One of them we'll get to later. But one of them is called 
don't know if you've seen this one. I think it was nominated, but didn't win. Uh, do you know of a movie from 1993 called The Piano? By Jane Campion? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I saw that, I think, last year with um, Harvey Keitel. It's a pretty solid um, he, flick. I like I like period dramas. I do. The good ones really are good. But something about this one, like we, me and my mom watched it. We liked it at first, but the more it kept on, the more the characters just made really weird decisions. Mm-hmm. It weren't so much. In, so, it was kind of a toxic it, romance kind of thing. Yeah, that that and like going and back and forth between Sam Neill. And Harvey Keitel, I remember this one scene where uh, Sam Neill's character was, like, saying she doesn't love him and such. And then, like, they're about to do something together. Which, but then, like, he retracts the statement, and then it's back to not loving her. It's like, make up your mind. Make up your mind. Do you like her or do you not? It's yeah. like, I don't know. I have some. I have some other ones which, like, I could say from the bottom of my ranking, which, again... Hot takes. Uh, the Power of the Dog, again from the same director. Well made, well acted, but not. But story wise, I just don't think it's for me. Okay. Uh, the Revenant. The okay. Revenant is one. Okay. With DiCaprio again, but it goes on for way too long. Uh huh. It's kind of a theme um, developing here. <laughs> yeah, a lot of these are really long. Uh, not again, so much, maybe a little darker in tone too. Um, not maybe satisfying from a, um, I guess things go the way everybody want them to perspective. Um, so yeah, that's interesting. Uh, one th- one I'll throw out there. While I enjoyed everything everywhere all at once, I think it's getting a little oh, overhyped wait. in terms of like. I mean, when it came out, everyone was like, oh, it's, you know, it's the better Doctor Strange in the Multiverse of Madness. And really, it's it's kind of a Matrix clone that throws everything at the wall, which is a lot of fun to watch. But I don't know. It like saying that it's this multiverse film is a little bit of a stretch to me. I think you can say something's a multiverse with it, you know, actually not having as much backing to it as, as what uh, I think people want it to if that makes any sense uh oh, i actually really 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 dug the movie because of you know it has a, it is very creative i would say mm, okay uh, that's an understatement <laughs> very creative weird but in a in an interesting way oh, yeah, and for sure. between them is very very emotional i would say yeah for certain people, maybe it's a bit too much, which I can see. Mm-hmm. I actually got a DVD copy of it from the movie store on, in the used section. Okay. Because I guess someone sold it. But yeah, that one, I can see it maybe a bit too much. But I think for people like me, it kind of fit just right. Okay. I, I think it just got a little too overhyped for me. I, um, you know, whenever you're expecting the world and, you know, you just get an entertaining movie, sometimes it just doesn't sit as well as it could have if you discovered it maybe before, you know, everybody claimed, proclaimed it was the best thing ever, you know? 
not my favorite of the year, but it's still pretty up there, I think. I think it's, what, in the... I think the actors uh, the, just picked up Golden Globes. I didn't even realize the um, Golden Globes was last Sunday. So um, I have to start uh, narrowing yeah. down, um, watching some yeah, of the top... I that much. Say sorry, that again? Sorry. Ne- never cared that much. Understandable. I don't care that much about award shows, but I do like the Oscars. Even the Oscars, it's just usually just seeing the list of the winners mm-hmm. at these times. But still, congrats for them. And uh, it's nice for the one who played the husband to get some recognition again, because uh, I think he was the kid in Indiana Jones and and the Temple of Doom? That's correct. My favorite. Yeah, my favorite Indiana Jones movie, by the way. Ooh, that one. A little hot take Temple there. Mm-hmm. All right, what's something you would say you, you're you watching a movie and something that instantly, like, gets you invested? Like, personally, like, whenever all of a sudden, like, Russian history or something pops up in a movie, I'm like, ooh, I want, I want to hear more. Or, um, oh, you know, the list goes on and on. But, um, yeah, what's something in a movie that will instantly just get you sucked in because of the topic. Uh, does it have to be related to the plot? No, just, uh, you know, you're just watching it and this certain kind of thing happens and, ooh, you know, this is your jam. Hmm. I think a lot of it is to do with the general idea of a movie. It also very much depends on, on the movie. Uh... I think it's either uh, how it's how it's made, if it's well made, well written, and such. Although there are some cases of it not working for me, or if it's a, just a director I really like. For for uh, for example, uh, I watched uh, the Fablemans in theaters, uh, Spielberg, mm-hmm. uh, Spielberg's movie. Yeah, and I think. What was so well done in the in that movie is from the start, you see why why he loved it, why he loves movies. It's done so well, and yeah, it also gets into the more when does like knowing you want to do this for the rest of your life versus the parents who make it more of a hobby. Mm-hmm. But the love is just captured very well in my opinion so it, it really depends on the movie but i think if it if it's either well made well written it or it sounds interesting i'll take it i'll give it a give it a try and see if i like it i guess i mean it's the same for every movie in a way see what interests you and then see the final result and mm-hmm. then you decide it's your opinion absolutely um, so what's the first movie that got you thinking of film more as an art than just has to be entertainment? Ooh, to be, ooh, that is a really tough one. I mean, to be fair, a lot of the stuff I watched is kind of a hazy memory because I've been watching stuff for years, like years. So a lot of the stuff I watched is a bit is, is a bit hazy. I'll give it that. It's a bit hazy. Uh, 
but I think hmm. is it okay if I give like a general answer instead of the first one because I just can't remember sure whatever works uh all right it's uh okay you know what let me do this let me give an animated one and then not and a not animated one to make it more interesting okay animated one I'm going with something called Song of the Sea from okay. 2014. It's just a very pretty movie. It's like it's very, it has a very rich uh, family story, but the animation is just really great. Really great stuff. As for not animated though, oh, okay, this one. Okay, this is a very recent one on Netflix. All Quiet, All Quiet on the Western Front. The, you seen it, or at least I haven't seen saw the new the one Netflix yet. Page? Yeah, I see that. I saw that it was there. Yeah. Yeah, it's in uh, German. It's a German remake. That movie is the the hardest movie I've ever watched. At the time of currently saying it, yeah, it's really hard to watch. But you, from a like, violence if you perspective, know the story, you know, yeah, it's just never stopping, really, with the the because it also portrays the horrors of war, yeah, incredibly well. It does it very well, and the some of some of the shots, the cinematography is excellent. So. Like, off the top of my head, I, could, I think I could say that one. But in general, like, it's easier to pick an animated one because, like, it is, well, it is very visual. So they have a more artistic uh, approach, in a way, I guess. Okay. More creative, possibly. Depends. Depends. Okay. Yeah, your answer. What's that for me? Oh, um, well, like I mentioned earlier, Fight Club, that was one of the, the pivotal ones. Some of the early uh, Charlie Kaufman's, like uh, being John Malkovich, Adaptation. So, yeah, again, falls back into that late 90s where things were getting artsy. Um, I love discovering the Far um, Fargo and the Coen brothers, um, like Tarantino stuff. So, you know, there's just some of some basic answers in there. But um, that's me. <laughs> Not basic, but, you know, I love it. Okay. I can say my own opinions about some of the stuff I've saw I've seen from these directors, but that's for that's for another day, I think. Cool. Um, any movie pet peeves? Is there anything that um, that'll make you just stop watching altogether, or will you fight through it? Um, to be fair, I even when I despise something. I still watch to the end. Good. It's like, I know some people can say it's a bit torturous, but like, to me, it's like both saying that I watched it to the end and say, and thinking maybe there's something worth it at the end. Right. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Absolutely. I, I have the exact I, same approach. Yeah. I think a pet peeve of mine. Hmm is that it's either too, pretent too pretentious or just boring. 
or just, well, bad in general. Mm-hmm. Like, uh, two recent examples from this year, which, again, hot take on one, but not that much of the other. Uh, have you seen Triangle of Sadness? No, that doesn't even... I'm not sure if I've even heard heard of that one. It's an English debut movie from a Norwegian director, I think. Another one that got a lot of critical acclaim and awards buzz. And, awards buzz. and like, when I watched it, for some reason I just didn't feel that interested. It's supposed to be, like, a satire on the rich. Oh, you talk, is, is that called the... But like, I thought that was called, um, I, that, that's ringing a bell for a movie called, I think, The Square or something. Um, I think that's the same guy. I think that's the same director. Oh, okay. Maybe, okay. Maybe different movies, same director. Okay. Cool. Hmm. Yeah. And, like, I didn't really spot any satire. I just <laughs> wasn't really that interested in, like, I don't know, following these people because they weren't that interesting to me. Okay. Um... And, and yeah, like the bad movies is like another thing. I think sometimes an answer is like if it's really disappointing. And it's like there's one thing that you find really great and the rest of it is like either average or just not there. And it's like, uh, it's like why did I waste my time with it, I guess. But yeah, again, it, uh, I think, uh, oh, Actually, I think uh, maybe I have one. When, when let's say, you bring back something that has been dead for a while, and then you bring it for a new movie or a new something in it, and then it's, like, done so badly to the point where, like, why why did you have to, to ruin it? Like, why did you have... To make it, to dig it out of the grave and make it into a, even more of a corpse. I would say that's what happened with uh, Ice Age Adventures of Buck Wild, which I think is one of my least favorite movies of 2022, because I liked the previous ones, even though Collision Course maybe went a bit too far, but I still don't think it's as bad as everyone says it is. Okay. But I said I said Adventures of Buck Wild, which, by the way, I did notice that it, it is your next one since you watched all of them. Yep, recently. Like, the trailers did not do a good impression, and the movie itself was just... It felt like a TV pilot to a TV series. The animation was cheap. It was just cheap. Hmm. Really bad, though. Really bad movie and they moved the focus of the main characters besides buck to the two possums like eddie and oh those are the worst name. characters <laughs> i don't even remember <laughs> yeah yeah besides buck they're the they're the two main characters for oh that's not for promising. that one so enjoy is there enjoy, any um enjoy israeli films or films um from the middle east that um are particular close to your heart to be fair, I have I actually haven't watched that many movies made here because um, most of them I think just don't interest interest me that that much. It's either like it's mostly dramas. So it's either 
about a war or mm-hmm. something Romans or something else. Most of them don't interest me that much. But there is one that I remember from back then that I really liked. And the kind of sad thing, or maybe not totally sad, it's like here in my country, it's one of those cases where most of the movies made here aren't really well-known outside of, of here. Yeah. So, like, yeah, it's like mo- even most of the letterbox posters for them are still in Hebrew. So not a lot of well-known stuff outside of here. Uh, but there is one called A Matter of Size. That's how they translate it for whatever reason. If I haven't watched it in years, but if I remember correctly, it was basically about, about a bunch of four really fat guys who decided to become sumo wrestlers, if I remember correctly. It, it has been a really long time. It's from 2009. But one of, I think, the rare cases where I really liked the movie that was made here. That one, that one was really good. Okay. Um, but again, not not really well known outside of here, so bit of a bummer. I mean, we actually don't... Uh, oh, sorry for cutting you all the time, by the way. Um, we, do, we used to have uh, movies and DVDs and such uh, translated to Hebrew here, like the boxes translated to Hebrew, but it, but it stopped actually around... 2018 i believe here because it's i think uh the seller at the movie store just said it's not profitable anymore to translate stuff here okay that's an interesting i mean even stuff mm-hmm. that comes out here, yeah even stuff that comes out here it's like it doesn't get a physical release anymore it just goes straight to to vod to cable are you big into collecting movies uh yeah i would say so my my collection is pretty big although now i am doing a bit of a cleanup tiny cleanup but still a cleanup uh i believe it is over the 2000 number at this point that's pretty impressive most mostly more yeah thank you mostly more dvds than blu-rays but okay oh well i mean some of years oh yeah um what's your favorite movie to recommend to your uh somebody you just met That is tricky. Maybe like a hidden gem that you have in your back pocket and it's not too well known, but it's a banger. To be fair, it is easier to know the person more before you you recommend something out of the blue because sure. like you don't know if if he'll like this or whatever. Mm-hmm. But if I would have to hmm, if I would have to pick one. Ooh, that is a that is a really really hard one. That is a hard one. Uh, do you have any any examples of what you did in the past? In college, I used to like to recommend the Cube. Um, it's kind of this fun like horror sci fi thing where they're all stuck in a cube, and you get this kind of like microcosm of like society where they're all battling to figure out, um, you know, what how they should escape the situation and. I found it fascinating because I would, you know, have different college friends come over and come over and watch it. And they would relate to different characters, characters like I had no connection with whatsoever. So um, 
I had fun recommending and watching that with a few different kinds of people and um, seeing their reactions. Most recently, I recommended it to Joey, and he wasn't about it at all. So that was unfortunate. But um, The Cube, that's an interesting kind of low-budget science fiction um, horror that um, I definitely like to spread around when I can. Never did see the sequel, though. Yeah, yeah I mean, I think there are a couple. Uh, again, to be fair, it is a really hard one because, like, you do, um, you do kind of need to know what the the people you met, what the people, the person you met is uh, is into and not into. Mm-hmm. So it's kind of needing to have a general, like a very general pick. Agreed. Yeah. Um, and if it's also something that they didn't want, which is also again a very, very tricky one. Sure. Um, so you'll take a pass on this, you think? Okay. Mm-hmm. Cool. Yeah, a pass on the a pass on the question. Uh, mm. Up to you. No, I, I'm just looking at Letterbox to to like see oh, okay. if Spark I can come up, up with an answer. Mm-hmm. You have any questions for um, me in the meantime while you're you're looking? Uh, yeah. Um. I mentioned films that uh, you don't like that got a lot of critical uh, critical doors, critical praise. Yeah. Uh, yes, and you want let's do the opposite. Movies that were not received that were not received, I, either received awful reviews or just okay ones, mm-hmm. and you liked it a lot more than they, or at least liked it a bit. Mm-hmm. An interesting one is I'll always defend uh, Paul Haggis's Crash. A lot of people look at that and see it's pretentious, like racial baiting stuff. But I mean, if you really watch it, you kind of see how a lot of it's an exaggeration of what you know does really happen. And I find parts of it quite emotional. Um, there's kind of a strange character moment towards the end that I found. But even in rewatching it, like a lot of people say, man, this this doesn't hold up at all. This is the by far the worst Oscar winner ever, but I, I do still have an appreciation for um, what it's doing and and how it kind of addresses these things. It's not perfect. Um, something some parts are pretty melodramatic. I think the the scene that ended up on well one of the covers there's this Latino family that um, thinks they've um, they're in the middle of some. Um, it's kind of a bait and switch, but um, it's a very emotional moment. And you're like, oh, you kind of tricked us there, but. Um, so Crash is one that comes to mind. Um, hmm. Let me see if there's any others. I mean, to be fair, I think I actually didn't watch it myself, but I will one day. I think the reason why it got that, like, besides people's opinion on the movies, like, because I think most people just thought most of the other nominees were just better. Yeah, that in year. rewatching Brokeback, um, the art, the, the the level of artistry in that, I de- definitely didn't give it enough credit the first time. So retrospectively, although I still like Crash, um, it, it's fair that maybe Brokeback sh- it should have been Brokeback cheer, especially with how important that movie was. Um, overrated films, like I think we were mentioned in all that oh, jazz. Yeah. Oh, go ahead. Yes. 
So all that. Uh, no, I was going to one. Sorry, sorry. I was going to mention one, and all that jazz is. We'll tie it into a separate question. We'll tie it into another one. Okay. Um, um, but I, but there are two. Um, oh, sorry, sorry, sorry. I keep cutting all the time. No, sorry. it's it's totally not normal for uh, two people talking the first time. Um, all I wanted to say with all that jazz is like I was really expecting to dig that movie because I'm kind of a performance theater kind of person. But I was just not on board with Ray Schneider's character at all as kind of this womanizer. And I think the point of the movie is that although he's an asshole, he's brilliant and you come to love him. But I never came to love him. <laughs> and I thought his ongoing fever dream of an ultimate show while his heart's failing and he's not listening to everybody and he's being a big old asshole uh, just kind of dragged out and was kind of painful. So all that jazz... Um, probably have to rewatch it again just to see if, you know, I was just, it was kind of the mood I was in, but, um, just didn't work with me. How about you? Yeah. The, the framing device for the, for that one is a bit weird. It did take me a while to figure out what the, the whole, uh, like, uh, the stuff between the plot, what, what, what was that. Mm -hmm. As for the movie itself. I mean, it is the point to make you like him, even though he does terrible things. I. He's good in the movie. He's good in the movie. Oh, yeah, he's but... a great actor. But as far as the character goes, it is, I think, very dependent on the person. Um, I think my answer for, like, I was going to mention two overrated films and two underrated films. The underrated ones are actually from the same franchise. Okay. But let, I'll just uh, get it out of the way first. The two overrated ones. One is Wings of Desire from 80... 87? Wings of Desire. Yeah. That's the, um... That's by German guy. Um, German movie. Yeah, I've seen Wings of Desire. Who's that by that? I've seen a couple of his movies. Wim um, oh, Vim Vendors. Yep. Okay. Yeah. My one, how to say it, I know it has a lot of high praise, but I honestly was really bored. I was just bored by that movie. <laughs> yeah, it's a pretty I artsy just... one with the whole idea of uh, talking to angels or, or whatever it is. Uh, it... Okay, that's an interesting take. I don't know, I felt, I felt like the angels just did nothing in the movie they were just like i get it if they were there to observe but they did practically nothing mm -hmm. okay. so, um and the other one uh I'm, i really feel like we're veering off subject um because i another one popped in my head which may be again a hot take um one is 2001 a space odyssey okay visual for the time very well done for the time but still an utter Four for me. How many times have you only seen it the one time? Yeah, and I'm sorry, but I'm not interested in rewatching it. It's, I'm it's, just really not. It's a grower, it not a shower. Right. Yeah, it's it's one that really you got to kind of age with. Um, how long ago did you see it the first time? Oh, ooh, that. Let me check. Um, I'll talk about my other one while I check the the other one. Okay. Uh, the other one, another sci-fi movie, actually. Uh-huh. Uh, Blade Runner 2049. Oh, okay. 
The first one is really good. The first one is really good. The second one, it started interesting, mm-hmm. but again, it just got boring. It went on way longer than it needed to be. It did not need to be that long. It's a bit anticlimactic too. And some of the characters honestly just felt wasted. Like Harrison Ford, Jared Leto didn't even barely did anything in the movie. Mm-hmm. It's okay. I don't know. It's another one that is just a, that is a disappointing sequel. Okay. In my opinion. Very uh, great looking movie, great atmosphere, was, but yeah, I, I can I can see what you're getting at there with it being a little stretched out for sure. Yeah, 2001. My my watch was in was on December 20th, 2019. So it has been a couple of years, but I don't know. I'm not interested in checking it out again. I'm just. Do you like any Kubrick films? Uh, Shining, I like. Okay. Full Little Jacket, like it quite a bit, even though the beginning did kind of bring some some memories with oh, the, the cutting the hair. Uh huh. <laughs> Oh, goodness. Um, that was a good one. Clockwork Orange is a good one. It's a good okay. one too. So you, uh, okay, you like them in general? Just, okay. The sci-fi. Yeah. Yeah, I can definitely see. I, I, I've spent many a time talking to folks about 2001. So um, I can definitely understand your opinion. And like I said, it's just, it's just kind of one that, uh, like, because I w- first watched it in high school and I was just like, oh, that was strange. <laughs> but then I watched it again in college with a guy who was like kind of, explaining the whole like he had like read the book and knew it all about the star child and stuff and recommended the sequel and so that brought some more context into it and then i watched it again when i finally got on letterbox and i was kind of looking at every little detail and uh, listening to different interpretations and it, it become a lot it became a lot of fun so um so that's kind of my experience with it but we should we really should get into the feature soon but um before we do that um did you want to talk a little bit about your your huge list of um, your animated films? Uh, yeah. Well, I guess we'll keep the, all the stuff that we didn't get to another time. Sure. Yeah. If that's okay. Absolutely. Um, Maybe you can oh, come okay, on wait, with uh, Joey and I for the larger cast sometime and um well that that might be a little challenging to schedule uh it's it's interesting i'm kind of doing normally i do this at night and it, it is open ended but kind of squeezing you in the day so um but uh yeah t- um, tell me about your list uh yeah just uh, going to answer the underrated ones before we get into oh, of course. final one final one okay uh underrated ones ones that get too much flack for the same franchise x-men apocalypse and dark phoenix i will always defend those two they're i like them i like both of them yeah they have their problems mm-hmm. but they're solid movies mm-hmm. at least the, like dark phoenix fine it's maybe a bit iffy on the villain side maybe a bit too dark for its own good same for apocalypse maybe not a great villain but the rest of it is still really good mm-hmm. yeah there's a lot of good I, action I like in those movies i like to think that at the moment on letterbox dark phoenix is the lowest rated out of all of them even more than uh part Lord three and should... it's like oh, <laughs> oh part three is definitely the worst of like, the no. bunch it's not that bad even origins i don't fully hate yeah the last act is not good but the rest of it is mildly watchable did you ever see at any, least for me yeah i'm a very yeah i liked it quite a bit actually okay. it's different it's very different i mean to be fair i am very forgiving so 
Okay. But yeah, X Men Apocalypse and Dark Phoenix. Not bad movies in the slightest, in my opinion. Okay. All right. So as for the ranking itself, yeah. Um, I guess I have an interesting history history with this thing. I like I used to watch animated stuff when I was a kid, obviously, but I think I didn't really start to watch them like a lot until high school. I think. Okay. And then I got Boxed in 2019. Mm-hmm. 2022 is, I guess, my full, my full fourth year. So that's something. Um, but when I got to it, I like I realized, I think, how many I watched. And then, like, Letterboxd has that kind of effect of, like, making you want to watch stuff. You know oh, what I absolutely. mean? Oh, absolutely. Yeah, because it makes it visible to you. It's inside and mind. It's, and it's like the design of the site as well. You, it kind mm-hmm. of makes you want to watch stuff. And basically, at the time, I had the rankings like separated by the studios, and then all the ones that didn't fit into it were like one, just one ranking of stated by the by the notable studios like Disney, Pixar, and such. And I think. One time, I basically had the idea of trying to combine them all together because um, I think it's like the same for me with the stuff I did recently, like rank each decade for a movie. I think A, I like to be all inclusive, and B, making the same like yearly list is like a thing that everyone does, and like don't really want to do the same thing that everyone does. It also makes the the number of the lists up. And for some reason, I have a weird limit at keeping how many, the How many titles lists. does it have? Uh, for some reason, I have a weird uh, list count of maximum 100 public ones. Um, oh. At the moment, with our feature, it's at number 817. Oh. Yeah, the number has ballooned ballooned over the years and basically i had it studio by studio then i tried to combine it all into one because i know that some other members did it and here's a an interesting thing the order that i did it with basically like had a rows and rows of the same one because like ranking over let's see uh ranking ranking such a big number really really hard to be fair so i had them by originally tiers or since i didn't give ratings at the time i basically went like the tier system from like uh great very good good and so on and so forth but it ended up being like row of disney row of pixar row of jelly stuff like that and i wanted one day to change the order to make it look a bit more separated, like separate the block a bit more. So essentially, I went to Tier Maker, uh, uploaded, redid the list in tiers there. Then I switched over to Letterboxd to separate it there, reorganize it, and now it's reorganized. And now that I decided to give the the rankings, the ratings. I gave up on that on that system, so now it's because now it's like a five 
cars to the absolute bottom. So it's and in my mind, I now think if I ever go into a review or giving a grade, which grade am I going to go with? And then like, what I like with what, you know? And yeah, now I think I am pretty happy with the, the order. We'll see. It'll probably continue to grow in the future. Jeez, every time I visit my um, is it my Marvel list or my Pixar list? There's always like a few titles I'm moving up or down. So, gosh, I cannot imagine managing a multiple hundred uh, <laughs> list like that. So, kudos to you for sticking with it. All right, so yeah. let's get into uh, some memories here. And I always like to talk our um, you know get our film discussion started with a quote. So. The only one IMDb had for me, though, was Memories. Memories aren't an escape, which ties in quite nice, at least to the first piece. I'm not sure if Memories ties quite into the second two, but um, here's a little synopsis. So let's get... Okay, so Memories, which is split into three different parts. They're based on mangas from... Oh, jeez, I hope I... Um, you want me to do the names? Sure, yeah, go if for it. If you want to, I can make... Um, or I can read the synopsis from the Blu-ray. Uh, let me, let me try to tackle it. Okay, so, um, Katushiro, uh, Atamo is the executive producer, uh, um, for Ma uh, Magnet Rose, directed by Studio 4, co-founded by, um, Koji Moramoto, and written by Satoshi Kon, uh, Stink Bomb, directed by Tensia... Uh, Akamura and written by Otomo. Oh, <laughs> Otomo. Sorry so much for the pronunciation. And Cannon Fodder written and directed by Otomo. <laughs> I survived. Gosh. Um, stupid Westerner. Anywho, yeah, let's get into some of our notes for this. So um, I would say Magnetic Rose is definitely the most ambitious of the three chapters. Um, I heard it described as kind of a haunted house in space story. And yeah, it kind of brings a lot of emotion and and memories of regret and tragedy in. So it was, it's kind of, once it all comes full circle, I, I definitely appreciated it more because I guess it was kind of hard um, getting into the mystery with, um, you know, with the subtitles. I was kind of watching a little late at night, but I did love when it, it did finally um, come around. It has a very aliens feel with, instead of the, the Nostromo getting a distress call, we got the Corona. Uh, kind of eerie hearing about corona and we get into the second chapter but um yeah opening thoughts on magnetic rose uh it's the best one of the three mm -hmm. i would say it's the one the only one that actually connects to memories i do i do kind of wonder why the other ones didn't but oh well um animation wise i would say it is the best one the music is great um, it's made by the same composer who did the music for Cowboy Bebop, okay. which is a very, very well-known series. The music out there is excellent stuff. Um, I'll admit at first, character-wise, it didn't do that much. Mm -hmm. Like most of the people on the ship, I mean, they're. I mean, basically, what happens? Uh, by the way, do we do synopsis for each? Um, well, yeah, I, well, I, I kind of have the, uh, the plot here within my notes. So, you know, as we talk through it, we'll kind of jump through the plot. So, um, I guess from a stylistic, I'll oh, go ahead. Oh, oh, sorry. Sorry. Go ahead. 
I was just wanted to shout out from a stylistic standpoint. I really enjoyed like the wide shots, like flipping back through it. There's this shot where you get these like long columns all down like vertically on the screen. And there's this like huge portrait of our um, Eva, which so yeah, the deep space explorers, they find this distress call. So they go into this, all this space rubble and all of a sudden they appear in like this European like villa for this, um, this famous opera yeah. singer. And then, and then as they're yeah, wandering like, through her house, they're like kind of seeing what her tragic story was. Yeah, they're basically what happens is that they get an SOS message from somewhere and then they get to this, uh, what was it? Some ruined space station in a way, something, someplace really in the ruins and the mm -hmm. wreckage. They get there and then they go down this elevator with these really big suits, by the way, these suits look a bit uncomfortable. Uh, but then the door opens. It's like a ballroom. It's like what? Yeah. And then you get uh, holograms of this famous opera singer. Uh -huh. And then you get to see what happened with her. And at first, it's a bit, maybe a bit confusing because, like, you don't know if they're seeing ghosts or whatever. Because one guy, uh, Miguel, I think, is very much starting to get very much taken with her mm -hmm. oh, yeah. with whatever is done. and then it just gets a bit crazy i guess i would say it is bogged down a bit by the characters on the ship not being as interesting and some technical babble but oh well i kind of saw this it it's kind of a siren story so they're um you know they're out in space they hear this no distress call they they check it out and it's this evil temptress trying to lure her into her fantasy of what her life should have been. And yeah, it's neat to have kind of the, the sea siren kind of effect within the story. Um, and I got so confused whenever, so there's this really neat scene, you know, they're exploring and all of a sudden he ends up in like on a stage and there's an audience. So that was kind of had an eerie feel to it. And then she stabs him and then we get like a close up of his eye. And I was like, a little confused of was that Miguel? Is, is did she kill him yet? Or there's a really cool scene where Miguel like what get told he's like going through this muck and he like gets smashed by this thing falling from the sky, um, basically uh, killing him and trapping him in her memory. And then we're mostly dealing with um, Hints, I think his name is, um, as he has a much more so, tragic past that uh, comes into play. Yeah, I mean some of the. Maybe the clearest thing, but I think some of it was intentional. Um, but yeah, on a technical front, I would say it's the best. It's the most well-made one. The animation is great. Music is great. The atmosphere is just so... such a, has such a haunting vibe to it. Sure. It's like the best one of the three. Absolutely. And then I guess going into his tragedy a little bit. So... He try, she tries to kind of manipulate him through images of his daughter, which apparently she died from like falling off a roof or something. Um, one of the best shots I thought was whenever he's having this like memory of sitting down with his wife and daughter having breakfast. And then all of a sudden they turn in like web decay all of a sudden. And that's a really, really neat shot that. Um, yeah, that's creepy. That's creepy. And overall, yeah, this was just very emotionally deep with um, 
you know, how he's trying to be lured in through the this his tragic past and you know how he deals with that and how that's all visually captured. Um, there's a real I noted like the holograms they have like this projected look within within the nice looking animated movie. So you kind of there's certain times you see images of the the evil lady and they don't look crisp or whatever. But at the same time, it was I guess it's meant to be a little haunting because they are artificial. So I'm um, kind of wrapping my mind around that dynamic because otherwise, I mean, it's a gorgeous looking, uh, you know, short feature. Yeah, I did, I did think at first that maybe it was ghosts, but no holograms. And then... But yeah, the idea that, like, uh, oh, sorry. Um, the idea of her like trying to trap, to trap them between in uh, her memories and basically figuring out the whole, the whole story of it all that was it's unfortunate it's unfortunate what happened to her that basically because she lost her voice everyone just started really not liking her it's like i mean what can she do she lost her voice <laughs> uh, and then yeah this, this dynamic of this daughter is real interesting like i really love the shot where like it's a long it's like a, a doorway and a long like shadow um or actually light cutting through the shadows and then there's like this little girl but then she becomes like lifeless or like even formless like she just kind of um crumbles into like this like deflated balloon which was very interesting and i still need to wrap my mind around exactly what they were trying to do there but yeah very and and it it actually the the two set the the second part is such an uplifting um chapter that you almost forget how tragically this ends with the the corona uh the corona getting sucked in and he dies and and then um heinz just kind of after he rejects the um you know eva's temptation he's just off floating in space like the the star child from 2001. <laughs> yeah it's, it's the most thematically rich i think of the three it's the okay some dated cgi shots with the ship but that's a product of the time i mean to be fair cgi in anime very spotty track record anime Mostly is so more, eclectic more it's almost hard to point out what doesn't look good in anime because it's so diverse with you know what they show you i mean there's no like standard it's it's it's, it's all across the board and that's what makes it so exciting yeah but Again, like computer usage in anime is very most of the times it just doesn't well. Uh, it's it, it, it kind of it kind of becomes the worst looking part of the movie in a way. Mm-hmm. Anyway, that's for another day. Sleep um, bomb. Do you mind if I introduce? Yeah, do you mind if I introduce that one? Yeah, of course, go for it. Uh. So what happens in this one is basically you have this guy who has, I th- it's either a flu or a cold. The box says flu, mm-hmm. but I thought it was a cold, but oh well. Um, basically, he works at a pharmaceuticals company, I think. Some and, kind of scientific laboratory, yeah. And basically what happens is that I think one of the higher ups basically tells him to try and try a medicine. Well, his colleague um, sees that he's sick and recommends that he take this undiluted drug. And so he's trying to remember, is it the blue pill with the red bottle or whatever? And so he ends up taking this one. I'll throw it back to you. 
no matrix uh reference but by the way i thought oh, of the matrix the pill. Way, okay so. i didn't catch that very good <laughs> but that was before the matrix so and uh, maybe unintentional inspiration anyway oh, i don't know the wachowskis and, and, and anime <laughs> go hand in hand right what happens is that he takes the one of the pills and after he does everyone ends up was it dead? Everyone died? Mm-hmm. In his office? Yeah. Everyone ends up dead. And you you don't really know what actually happens until you see some of the government uh, officials basically saying that this laboratory that he worked in was uh, not hired. Basically, wait, hired in a way. Like they were met, they were not, developing not, like chemical weapons. Yeah, like a bioweapon countermeasure. That's uh, I actually watched it, finished it like a, a half hour before we started recording, and basically they say that whatever whatever uh, thing that he took has a side effect that he omit, that he omits this huge ga- gas cloud that. And, like, the gas goes from his body depending on his emotions. But basically, unknowingly, he kills everyone that he comes in contact with because of the gas that he puts out. Yep. And, like, everyone, every government official is, like, trying to, uh, to well, kill him because they want to keep it secret. Obviously, it doesn't happen. Keep the I mean, public there was safe. A shot They're like, like, don't come near Tokyo. You're a walking disaster. And for some reason, it's not clicking with him. <laughs> Go back to the mountains and the, like uh, this shot of so many helicopters. Yeah, just shooting rockets at the guy. It's like that moment. Oh, that like, moment in particular reminded me of a uh, Rise of Skywalker when we get all the the huge sky full of a uh, star destroyers. Kind of same deal. Just ridiculous amount of firepower. <laughs> it's like all of this for one guy who doesn't even know what he's doing. Mm-hmm. And like, I, I first I thought it was my least favorite of the three. But, I mean, I did before I watched the third one. Mm-hmm. Um, I wouldn't say it's very uplifting because, again, the guy does end up killing everyone he comes in contact with, even if he doesn't really know why. Definitely a dark comedy, yeah. Uh, I guess, yeah. And then the government hires these... Uh, how do you describe them? The people with the, the, the big metal suits... Oh yeah, it's, it's kind of like, like a si- it's kind of like a situation room kind of deal, like you would see from like Doctor Strange Love, where they have a round table of military folks trying to figure out what the next move is. And um, I'd have to kind of go back and see what the dynamic was going on between you know the Japanese military leader and then the U.S. guy, who's a little bit more seems a little more cocky. Um, but yeah, that was that was that was a neat dynamic. Yeah, hmm? yeah um, those uh, the metallic suits and all. Uh, because oh, the astronaut the suits the there at the end? Yeah, because even the people with the gas masks, military mm-hmm. people, citizens, whatever, even they can't, uh, e- even they can't breathe when mm-hmm. the guy is around. It's like, definitely extreme, taking it. And then, I think my favorite part is the ending, because it feels so, it's like, oh, it's like, it, it's like minor, Whoopsie. minor revenge for whatever, because yeah, it's like you think that the guy is dead. I thought that the guy was dead, 
And then you, they bring the someone in the the ass, not astronaut suit, the big suit. We'll call it the big suit. Okay. They bring him, and then basically, <laughs> and then basically you see like everyone's clapping for the guy in the big suit, and then like once he takes the visor off and you see the gas inside it, you see it's like the guy. It's like oh. It's like hello. I didn't think they would bring me here. And then, like, <laughs> starts to get to get out of the suit and unleashes the gas. Yeah. It's like, oh, oh damn it! It's womp, like, womp. yeah, and it just ends. Yeah. Getting back into the atmosphere at Porsche, I really enjoyed. Like, as soon as like the higher up found out that he took the drug and he's freaking out, and then all of a sudden people like look up at the fan and and start sniffing something, and then it cuts to black and. He wakes okay. up and it was very much reminding me of uh, what 28 days later where he wakes up in the hospital and he and the, the the zombie apocalypse happened without him but in this case his stench killed everybody without him <laughs> so to me it kind of reminded me of uh, uh contagion okay. which is a steven soderbergh movie from 2011 really got popular again with covid because of because of how real it mm -hmm. felt uh because it is essentially like uh, like a pandemic like the gas itself is essentially like like a massive disease that everyone contacts mm -hmm. so it gave me that vibes of like a disaster movie by plague vibes um but yeah again it's good it's like here's the thing the the other the the, the other two don't in my opinion don't really match to the level of the first one, because the first one set the the, the, uh, the standard really high, but they're different. Second one, it's good. Maybe a bit too dark of a comedy, but still pretty good. Good action in there. It's quirky to see him freaking out and and not really know what's going on around him. And um, yeah, I, it kind of it kind of lifted my mood. I I, I was there for it. I, li I like that that splash of action, especially with how kind of mysterious and um, emotional the first part was. Yeah, I mean, to be fair, I was thinking it's like, dude, it's like either look behind you, or just look at your body. It's like, mm -hmm. can you not? How are you not saying that you're emitting all that you're putting out all this gas? For it's the like longest time, I had trouble at, at first. At like I had kind of gotten the impression that he had like an immunity to it and he was fine, but and but then eventually it did click in and. I'm not sure if that was the case for you at all, because then that's pretty effective from a storytelling. We're kind of having the same perspective as this guy that's totally clueless until it, you know, we were we're brought into the the fold too. So, um, do you recall when it exactly clicked that he was he was the weapon? Uh, I think they they eventually said it. Mm -hmm. So not really, but like okay. like I knew this wouldn't end well, but like. Mm -hmm. I was a bit surprised that it was like a bioweapon countermeasure and like this side effect was again just a mini good guess that killed everyone. Uh, mm -hmm. But yeah, like, I, I, like part of me thinks that the guy was maybe a bit too naive. It's like, again, all this gas behind you and it's like, it's like, think, think. It's like, where is this gas coming from? It was like writing for miles. Mm -hmm. Writing for miles. It was everywhere. <laughs> so it's like, Eh, not the smartest guy to be not the smartest no 
All right. And um, I remember watching through it and being like, oh, gosh, there's not much of this movie left. But then, you know, we get cannon fodder. Did you want to briefly explain? Did you want me to describe the plot or you want to go for it? Do it. You do it. Yeah, this is a fairly simple story. It's about this um, basically a city where every building and structure has these massive cannons on it. It's like this war society. And it's this little boy and he kind of, he grows up in this and he really looks up to like the major general who's in charge of firing the big cannon and the style of the arts reminded me a lot of Pink Floyd's The Wall. So it was kind of cool to see a, a little bit more of a scratchy look to this, a little bit more, um, yeah, a little different style. Um, and it actually touched a kind of a soft point for me because so we get the story of this kid seeing, you know, the normal, the normality of having these big cannons and firing at this um, faceless enemy. And it reminded me a lot of like how I watched like G.I. Joe cartoons in the 80s. And being an American, we were very much brought up to be pro-military, you know, America's the best kind of thing. And then as you grow older, you see, whoa, actually, war movies are kind of dark and terrifying. So, um so yeah, it's it's interesting getting seeing the Japanese perspective kind of on that thought of you know bringing up a child in that society and them idolizing um, kind of violence, but then at the same time we see the father and by the end he looks basically horrified that he's taken part in this whole like shooting process as he you know his his kids like oh I want to be like the general and and not like you um, and the the ending's really interesting how it it almost has like this alien ending where the, the scanner comes through the room twice and then it, it fades to memory. So that was kind of a, a memorable way to round it out. But super cool animation style, very provocative little short. Um, I know you must probably have some interesting things to say. Uh, Unless you as hated I said it. With stink bomb. <laughs> no, as I said with Stink Bomb, I, I thought at first that it was my least favorite, but then I got to this one and it's like, Again, it's good, but I think that one is my least favorite because maybe I think maybe like you said, I didn't like now that the stuff you said, I kind of realize it more than I did on my watch. At first, I thought character-wise, it, character and story-wise, it didn't have a lot to tell. Yeah, it's pretty hollow. The other two, mm-hmm. and it's like getting the point across. So I was more interested in the the look of it. Really, like I think. With Magnetic Rose, while Magne- Magnetic Rose has the best atmosphere, Cannon Fodder has the best style of it of them all. I agree. the The cannons on the cannons on every single roof. At first, was like, oh, 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 wow! It's like every single roof cannons. Yeah, a lot and of overkill. It reminded, of, it reminded me of steampunk, in a way. Mm-hmm. By the way, uh, the the director of this, uh, Katsushiro uh, yeah, Otomo, uh-huh. same guy who made Akira. I, after this, he made a movie called Steam Boy, which kind of is the same like this, but not as good, I would say. It, okay. It's also a movie where it's a lot of steampunk. Uh-huh. Good animation, very good. Weak story, weak story and characters. That one, although that one is a, is feature length, maybe even two hours. Um, but yeah, that that kind of rem- this was maybe a bit of a slightly better prototype, I would say, because the atmosphere really really reminded me of 
steampunk. Uh, the music kind of reminded me of an old game from the time. I don't know why. I need to it's flip back through the music. I, don't, I wasn't able to key in on the music at all throughout this. So, yeah, I, I think I'm missing out. Like, whenever the, what was it, the general who ordered, like, the fire thing? Uh-huh. That, his music, for some reason, really reminded me of that. Um, and it was so neat to see, like, yeah, the, the hand-drawn fantasy of what that sequence was within the kid's head. That was clever. Yeah, but I think I, I, I think when I watched it, I didn't fully pick up on the uh, on the story of it, because there isn't a lot to it. You basically see the kid go to school, and then the dad go to, go to work, mm-hmm. and then... Come back together at the end and talk then, about it over dinner. Yeah, and then the cannon firing, and then going back to dinner, and it's basically all all over again, like a normal mm-hmm. day. To be fair, you just watched it, so not as much time to reflect. Yeah, I mean, to be fair, I think near the end I was confused when the dad didn't have uh, the gas mask before mm-hmm. uh, before the firing of the cannon. So it's like, where's the gas mask? You're you're gonna get uh, injured. Yeah, wouldn't have gotten that emotion that 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 look of horror in his face with that with the mask on i guess goodness all right i let's... didn't even pick it i thought it just looked miserable to be fair mm-hmm. but yeah it's like good animation character wise maybe the least the lesser of the three in my opinion interesting all right let's do a little wrap up here like i think it's an excellent pack of anime shorts and so provocative such cool style Um, Each with interesting theming from tragedy to crisis to war. Um, It didn't blow me away, so I would probably go with like a four and a half star rating just because it's it's better than excellent, but it's I wouldn't call it a favorite of mine by any means. Um, How how did it pan out in your ratings? Uh, For me, it's a four, like in 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 about the 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 eight eighty one out of ten. I do my grades out of a hundred. Because okay. like, at first I thought I didn't really like how Letterboxd used the five star system. It just felt too, um, too constrictive in a way. Just really putting you in a box. Yeah, really putting you in a box. Uh, and I, I worked out the grades. <laughs> like I worked out eventually how to make the grades uh, work. For me, it's a four out of out of four out of five eighty one. Okay. It's not my favorite, but it still has some quite some good things to say. Um, but yeah, if anything, I would say watch it for magnetic roads. That is the best, the best one. And I would say the uh, the the crazy suit on the cover. I mean, although that's similar to the white suit from um, Stink Bomb, it's it's kind of a it's not exactly what you get. So I was I was a little disappointed we didn't get the creepy guy from the cover on in the movie. Yeah, I thought it was an astronaut, and then, like, no, it's just the big suit guy from Stink Bomb. By the way, the Blu-ray cover actually is a lot more, uh, probably a lot more fitting. A more genu- a genuine? Basically, yeah, for sure. It contains the opera singer from Magnetic Rose, the kid from Cannon Fodder, and the main guy from Stink Bomb. So that probably fits a lot more compared to um, to the other one, to the normal one. Mm-hmm. But to be fair, in the normal poster, you do kind of see the kid and the dad from Cannon Fodder at the bottom, mm-hmm. and then the big guy from Stink Bomb, 
uh, in the center, and then the magnetic rows of the ship for magnetic rows in the background. So that can work too, to be fair. Definitely the, the big suited guy definitely was what got me excited to actually check this out. So can't fault it too much, but just wish that would have been there. So um, yeah, thanks so much, Ronan, for joining me um, on this this podcast. Uh, any socials you'd like to shout out so people can check out um, your lists and maybe chat with you if they want? Uh, well, first, thank you for having me. Uh, it's been fun. Uh, wish we had a bit more time, but oh well. <laughs> Never uh, time. Letterboxd is Ronan's 13. Uh, R-O-N-E-N-S-1-3. That's, that's Letterboxd. That's where I update it daily with the relevant with relevant rankings and ratings, sometimes reviews. I actually wanted to review a couple of the stuff I, like some of the releases from last year. So we'll get to it pretty soon. And yeah, as for the animation ranking, it's put a lot of effort into it. Some hot takes for sure. I mean, Memories is now number 101, which Almost made it to the top 100, but on the other hand, out of 817, it's still a very respectable place. Uh, but yeah, that's cool. where you can find all. That's where you can find all the I think about yeah. the movie industry. <laughs> all right, so please follow the Average Joe's Movie Clip Cast on YouTube and look for my reviews. I'm Justin Peterson on Letterbox. I hope everyone has a great day. Keep watching movies. Thanks so much, Ronan, for joining me. Um, it was a pleasure getting to talk movies with you. We could do it all day. Um, I'll talk to Joey. Maybe we can get you on our main cast and um, maybe get you to stay up a little past your bedtime so we can have unlimited talk. So, um, all right, everyone. Thanks so much for watching and keep watching great movies. Just mark me, my mate.